chapter 10, there's this fascinating uh, story. So Daniel is, um, verse 2, he says, I mourned for three weeks, I ate no, no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So he's fasting. Okay, and then on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing there on the bank of this river. I looked up, and there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold. Uh, his body was like topaz. He explains this, what this um, figure looked like. Daniel says, I was the only one who saw it. I was the only one who saw the vision, but those who were with me, uh, they didn't see it, but they were so afraid that they hid themselves. So I was alone, gazing at this great vision. Then I heard him speak to me, verse 9, and um, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees and said, he said this, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this, uh, I stood up. Trembling. Remember, Daniel had been fasting right, for three weeks, praying for three weeks. The 24th day, isn't that what I said? The 24th day of the first month. So, 24th day of the, of the first month, three weeks after he started this, um, this happens. Verse 12, he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, okay, since day one, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Since day one. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, the vision, for the vision concerns a time yes, to come. What do you think of that vision? What do you think of, of that kind of a worldview? Do you ever... Do you ever consider maybe that your prayers aren't answered uh, because of some sort of interference in the spiritual world? Do you ever think that maybe that's why they're... Or if you see really awful things happening, um, you know, a, a child is molested or, or uh, people reject the gospel or an elderly person is attacked by a, a gang of teenagers or for whatever, you know, stupid reason. Do you ever consider that maybe this is some sort of result of a menacing presence? Uh, over that region? Do you ever think that way? This passage might shake things up for us a, a little bit. Do you dismiss it? Oh, it's just, you know, it's myth. It's, um, it's superstition. That's what they, you know, before science, that's what, you know, they understood, these pre-modern times. But we know better these days. How do you, how do you deal with passages like this? Can these evil beings negatively affect us? Um, do, does their behavior or do their actions in, in the unseen world have an effect on us, for good or, or for worse? What do you think? Do you think that maybe our prayers are hindered? Um, maybe one of the reasons is because of this, there's like a battle going on behind the scenes that we're not you know, aware of? This chapter seems to affirm that there's these powerful spiritual beings, angelic beings. They exist, and they have the ability, they have the freedom to, to cooperate with the will of God or to resist uh, the will of God. And somehow our well-being is tied up with what is going on kind of behind the scenes. Doesn't it seem like that? So how, how, do, you, how do you feel about this kind of passage? Now, if... If Daniel chapter 10, if this was the only place in Scripture 
where this kind of worldview was described, it would be easy to dismiss it and say, oh, that's, um, it's an allegory. You know, it's not really to be taken um, as by you know, face value. And to be some, we could easily kind of set it aside. However, this worldview where there's like a spiritual war going on that affects what's going on on earth and our lives, it, it's part of the biblical worldview and it's throughout all of scripture. It's a very central component to, um, to our struggle today. So it's important for us to, to pay attention to this. For, um, for some of us, this might be easy to accept. For others, it might be very difficult. But we, um, we in the Western world um, seem to be trained. Uh, we seem to be told or taught you know, that that doesn't happen. There's an easy way to explain away stuff like that. Whereas the majority of the world, um, even countries that have a lot of engineers and, and scientists, they still hold on to this idea that there is a spiritual that we can't see that somehow affects stuff that, that we do, even if we don't completely understand it. It's very common uh, in our culture to just dismiss these things. And so, um, the modern world, which, you know, we're postmodern, we're maybe after postmodern now, taught that everything can be observed and can be tested. And, and if, if you can't observe it, if you can't, you know, scientifically, then it's, now there's always an explanation uh, for everything. And so that still is a lingering part of, a part of our worldview in the West. And, and so we think that ghosts don't exist or, or those spiritual beings. There's an, always another explanation for it. And this, um, but not so much anymore. Uh, if you're growing up today, that postmodernism, uh, one of the good things about postmodernism is that it teaches us that not everything we know is like, um, we, there's no, we can't find a scientific explanation for everything. And that's part of the biblical worldview. And so this, this illustration was, was brought to my attention by another pastor. And he said that uh, growing up, he used to watch Scooby-Doo. Did you watch Scooby-Doo? Have you watched it lately? Did you notice it's different? Scooby-Doo, in my growing up days, there's, um, at the beginning, there's a, a monster or a ghost or something. And then, you know, Scooby-Doo, and I forget the other characters, right? They're, they're in this van, and they get to the bottom of this case by the end, and they take the sheet off this person, and they go, it's just a person. Oh, it wasn't really a ghost. There's always an explanation for it, right? And so in the end, that's how every story resolves. Oh, it wasn't real. It was something we thought it was the wind blowing, or it was, you know, something. But not so today. Scooby-Doo today is different. Maybe you haven't watched it lately, but when it finishes, the ghost that we thought was a ghost is actually still a ghost. The spiritual being is still a spiritual being. And this illustration is to show that there's been a change in, in our Western worldview, that these kinds of things, this paranormal kind of activity, maybe there's something to it, and maybe we brushed it aside too easily. So that might be one reason why it's hard for us to enter into uh, this biblical worldview that there, there is this struggle um, going on. Other passages all throughout Scripture, if you have them in, in your notes, there's some verses there. We won't go through all of them, but you can take them home and read through them later. But in Joel chapter 3, verse 11, uh, he says, Bring down your warriors, Lord, as if there's this heavenly army. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 24 says, As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. It's like there's this view that there's this cosmic struggle. There's, there's warfare going on kind of behind the scenes. 
There, there's another reality. Not that this isn't real. This is real too, what we see and what we can feel and touch. But there's another reality that is also happening that we can't always see. So Daniel only knew about this in chapter 10 because it was revealed to him specifically by an angel of the Lord. Those kinds of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 and 17. So in the Old Testament, all the way out through the New Testament, there's this worldview. And I want you to, to wake up, if you're not awake already, to this worldview. Let's return to a biblical worldview. This idea of this struggle, this warfare that's going on behind the scenes, intensified when Christ came. Do you remember the story of King Herod and the red dragon? A couple of Christmases ago, we looked at Revelation. And Revelation is, it's a revealing. That's what it means. It's like a, an, an opening up. And so it's as if, as if God is saying, here's what you see. Here's what's you know, going behind. He opens the curtains and we can see what's going on behind the scenes. So Revelation chapter 12 would read like this. You, you remember this and it's, it's amazing. There's this red dragon, right? A great sign in heaven appeared and... and um, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Okay, so think of the Christmas story. Then another sign appeared, Revelation chapter 12, verse, verse 3. Another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who is about to give birth. The dragon was there as this woman is going to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. And it says, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Clearly a reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. But in Matthew, when we read the story there, what do we see? We see King Herod getting angry that there's this new king that is being born. And so what does he do? He commands all the babies are to be killed. And so this is what we see happening, and Revelation is kind of, there's something else going on behind the scenes. It intensified when Jesus Christ came. Do you remember the, the, um, the Christmas carols we sang that year? And some of you even wrote some, some new ones for me. Um, instead of away in a manger, we sang away from the manger. Away from the manger. Um, Get out, Lord, I said. The scary red dragon will eat your sweet head. And it keeps going on and on. So, these are biblical. Okay? No crying he made. I mean, it doesn't say that he never cried, right? But it does say there's something going on behind the scenes. And the enemy wanted Christ dead, wanted Jesus dead right from the very beginning. And so maybe there are some things that are going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. And we see things happening. It could be because there's other forces um, happening, going on behind Scene. So it intensified with um, Jesus Christ, with the birth of Jesus Christ. John chapter 12, uh, verse 31, says this. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. The prince of this world. Who is he referring to? Again, chapter 14, verse 30, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. John chapter 16, verse 11, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of the world, this is this, this ruler of the air, this arch enemy of, who is opposing and resisting God's will. The arch enemy of 
God. But he's the prince of this world. This, he's got control here. In Luke chapter 4, so Herod tries to kill Jesus, right? And then he comes to, about to launch his public ministry, and then he goes in the wilderness, and he's taken there by the Spirit, and he's tempted by who? By the devil. Right? And the devil says, I'm, I'm going to try to tempt Jesus. And so he tempts Jesus, and Jesus responds with Scripture, and then, and then the devil says, okay, I'm going to use Scripture too, but he takes out a context and, try, and doesn't work again. And so Jesus resists this temptation because the enemy did not want Jesus' ministry to start. But in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says this, the devil led him up to a high place, led Jesus to a high place, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority on Spider. The devil is saying this to Jesus. I will give you all this authority. It has been given to me, the devil said, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Jesus didn't say, oh, wait, what are you talking about? No, it's not yours, right? The devil has been referred to as the prince of this world, the ruler of this era. He, he says, I have authority to give all this to whomever I want. Of course, Jesus did not succumb to that temptation. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, We know that we are children of God. And it says, And the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is just part of the worldview of the New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, everyone who lived back here. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Okay, who's the God of this age? Who's blinding the minds? That doesn't sound like something God would do. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. And there's more verses in your notes as well. So why did Jesus come? Why was the enemy so upset, trying to kill him, trying to make him uh, fall to temptation? 1 John 3.8 tells us very explicitly why the Son of God came. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It was to destroy all that Satan has been doing as the prince of this world. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Ready? Question number three. It's a quote question. Quote, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. There's a bunch of quizzes here from um, half Saskatchewan, half Manitoba. Like they live right near that border, right? So like, I don't know what time zone some of them are in. Um, and so thank you for some, many quizzes went home because they're from Kilcona Park Alliance or Calvary Temple or Morris, but others who are from far away um, stayed. We had a great uh, quiz meet here yesterday. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Do I have to make Coach Scott recited? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Okay, I want to finish the verse. Ready? Since the children have flesh and blood, he too... Okay, well, say it with me, all right? There's some quizzes here, here, and coaches here who remember it. Since, ready, out loud, the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Who is that? Right, that is the devil. It says it right in the scripture. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I see you using your phone over there. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. This is why Jesus came, to destroy what the devil had done. Since the children of flesh and blood, he too shared in their human, became, God became human, 
so that by his death he might what? Break the power of him who holds the power, in a, break the power that the devil has. It's very clearly, explicitly stated here. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus' life, not just his death and resurrection, but his birth, the healings, his, his teachings, the miracles he did all are about destroying what Satan has been doing. He came to destroy the devil's work. And he accomplished that before he went back to heaven. His whole life. There's, there's parts in, in the Gospels where he says when he teaches and, and instructs his, his followers to heal and to, to cast out demons. And, and he says when, when you pray for someone and they're healed, tell them this. The kingdom of God has come near to you. When you pray for someone and they're healed, would you say that? That's what Jesus said to his followers. Like, the kingdom of God is coming. See, there's this kingdom. It's like this war, this battle is going on. And the kingdom of God is coming. That's what Jesus' whole life uh, was about. So, this spiritual battle, I want you to, if you're not awake to this yet, I want you to wake up, smell the coffee, and realize there's a battle going on. We have things like um, church renewal and other events like this to help us wake up and to learn how to fight that battle. Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities and authorities and these things in the unseen world. That's where our struggle is. That's where, the, that's where we fight. And so we don't use the same weapons that the, the world uses. This is scriptural teaching. And so we want to teach you, here's some of the tools, here's some of the weapons that we use in our daily fight because we are in a battle and we are um, in a fight. So let's, let's wake up. If you come to the, to the renewal weekend, then there's a time set aside and we just want to show you uh, scripturally, here's some ways that we live uh, as soldiers uh, in this cosmic battle. So that's the first thing. Wake up. This biblical worldview is something we need to return to. We need to be aware of what's going on. How do we wake up then? You'll see um, as you read and as you're memorizing um, scriptures, we're referred to often, there's this soldier kind of language, like put on the armor of God and, and, and fight, fight this battle. And we're, we're not on vacation right now. We will be when evil is completely destroyed. Jesus came, and he lived his life, and then he died for us, and he came back to life, and he conquered the power of the devil. The victory's done. But Satan is angry, and he's still prowling around like a lion, seeking people to devour and, and, and make hope feel hopeless and to destroy everything. So he, he's still fighting, even though the battle's done. But it's over. Like, we already know he lost. It's like... You can think of sports analogies or war analogies where it's over, but people keep fighting. So just remember you're not on vacation. Learn some of these tools. And one of these tools is forgiveness. It says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, 11. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. So unforgiveness would be one of Satan's tools. Forgiveness would be one of the tools that we use to disrupt his kingdom and his authority. 
we are aware of how Satan works because the scriptures tell us. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist the devil. Be aware of some of his schemes. Now, balance is good. There's not a devil hiding around every single corner or every sickness or every problem that's in our lives. But some of them there might be, according to the scriptures. Maybe some sicknesses are caused by a spiritual battle that's going on. Maybe. James chapter 5 says that some of you aren't healed because you're not confessing your sins. So I'm not saying all, but some for sure. And so we can't discount, you know, everything. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's a chemical imbalance and the chemicals will fix it. Sometimes it's something deep, sometimes it's spiritual. We learn to discern as we follow Jesus and we learn to hear his voice better. And so wake up to this spiritual battle, recognize that there's a war going on, but guess what? Jesus already won. And the scriptures say he's given that authority to all of his followers. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in us, those of us who are following him, those of us who have been renewed and born again and have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's pretty amazing. And so use your authority. You don't need to be big and strong. You just need to have the, the authority. Do you ever hear someone who speaks with authority even though they might not be the strongest person in the room and everyone listens to them? God has given us uh, this authority. So these are the, some of the things that we want to teach you at this renewal weekend um, as well. We live our lives every day forgiving, uh, relying, on, on the, the, um, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own power, recognizing where Satan has implanted lies and we believe them and made ourselves feel helpless or hopeless or everything else. And so these are tools that we use to fight in our daily battle, but don't feel helpless or hopeless because it's over battle is done and we have the authority. Satan doesn't like it. He wants us to feel helpless and hopeless. Um, and so, do you understand what my sermon is all about? Come to the church renewal. Come to the renewal weekend. <laughs> October 18 and 19. It's only $30. You can sign up Friday night and then Saturday and we, we want to do this together. Set aside some time uh, to learn um, some of these tools scripturally. How to forgive. Like, it's easy to say, oh, go forgive that person, but it's not that easy, really, right? So we're going to learn how um, to forgive. Identify those times when you believe lies and, and you feel certain because of a lie that you believe, and that's tricky. We're going to teach how. How do we do that? How do we live like Jesus said? Jesus said, go and teach people to obey everything I've taught. He didn't say, go and teach people what I taught. Because it's not about knowing things, Right? It's not about content, because even demons know who Jesus is. It doesn't save them. They know he rose from the dead. They recognize all that. They could recite the Apostles' Creed and say, yes, that's true, it's true, it's true, but they're not going to be saved. It's more than that. We're going to teach how to obey things that Jesus had commanded to. So if you have not signed up yet, the deadline is Monday tomorrow at midnight, because we need to make a cutoff so we can make enough copies and get food prepared for everyone. So sign up today or tomorrow on your phone or online. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for not leaving us helpless, 
Thank you that you are so powerful and that you are worthy, like that song we sang today, picture of Revelation, the lamb who was slain, the lamb who was killed, the lamb who was slaughtered, is worthy because of your death. Teach us to wage war the way you waged war. Teach us how to forgive. Teach us how to pray. Teach us to follow you very closely. And fill us with your power through the Holy Spirit. Pray in Jesus' name.